Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the pack or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the Internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tech Done Different. As always, I'm your host, Ted Harrington. And with me here today is a very special guest, a friend of mine, a fellow author, Dr. Glenn Robeson. He is a podiatrist, a surgeon by training and by profession, but he's also the number one best-selling author of the book, Healthy Dad, Sick Dad, What Good Is Your Wealth If You Don't Have Your Health? Glenn, I'm so psyched to have you on the show, man. Great to be here. Thank you. So. I love this topic that we're going to discuss today because it's interesting on a show that's largely focused around how do we help leaders in tech, leaders in security, how do we help them think differently? Here we are to talk about health. Health is a critically important part for anybody in any profession. Obviously, you wrote a book identifying a lot of principles around what people are doing right or what they're doing wrong. And my hope is that by having you on here today, we can talk about how can all of us as professionals aspiring to you know, level up our own skills, our own careers, make contributions, how do we make sure that we <laughs> live long enough to actually do it? So maybe you could give us the quick impetus of the book. Like, why did you write this book? I think the book started when I was young, I, I, but I didn't know what it was in me with my health complications when I was very young. I mean, at the age of 10, I was, uh, you know, I had asthma, I suffered from asthma and I wanted to find a cure and, and, you know, a typical kid that likes basketball and all these other sports, but I was limited to what I could do. So a lot of times I'd get on my bicycle and ride to the other town and then I'd record when my, my asthma attack happened and then I'd record what food I ate. And so at a very young age, I was curious. Now, then I hit, hit some little blips and bumps later into high school saying, you know, my high school counselor told me I'd never make it into college because of my scores on the ACT. And that gave me even more motivation to go as far as I could. When I got into college, I still suffered from a lot of health conditions and, and with the, particularly the asthma. I finally made it into medical school and, and then that's when everything, you know, came crashing down. Here I am in medical school. I'm going to become a doctor. I'm going to be helping people. And my health was deteriorating. I mean, I, I, I write in a book where one morning I wake up in and, and, and excruciating pain and I go to the bathroom. I'm peeing blood. I'm like, oh, man, I mean, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, do I have cancer? Do I have what's going on here? Come to find out I had a kidney stone. And so, you know, and working with the doctors to find it, you know, help me with that. There was no avenue for, okay, this is what you need to do nutritional wise. This is what you need to do health wise. And so I kept eating the way I ate, just eating to survive. Like most of us do, we don't think about, you know, the one thing that is so important to us is our health. Because if we have our health, we have joy and happiness. So that propelled me to, you know, one, I, I was wanting to know, okay, with the kidney stone and everything going on. And I talk about in the book, my experiences on that. And I'm going to jump ahead into private practice. Well, not only now did the kidney stones 
affected me. But now I became very stiff. I became, I wasn't exercising, lower back pain. Uh, There's one day I couldn't even get out of bed. I, I was just in so much pain. I, I knew I couldn't look down the surgical road for my back because I was in private practice. I I'd had nobody else to cover for me and I had to provide for my family. So I started to explore other alternatives. And the one alternative led me to what a, my healthy dad. And it was kind of the most odd experience, but I heard about him. I heard what he could do. And he, he did fix me, um, I have to say, but I didn't go back to him for about a year until I was in pain again. And uh, he did throw out a little things here and there saying, hey, you really need to change your health. You really need to start paying attention to what you're eating. So it's really fascinating hearing you talk through your, your narrative here, because I think that any one of us who are ourselves not medical professionals, we probably assume that doctors know everything there is to know and treat themselves the best when it comes to health and wellness. But some of the things that stood out to me there, it sounded like maybe some of your dietary choices weren't great ones. It sounds like you weren't able to prioritize exercise and things like that. I mean, we, we've all heard doctors, of course, tell us to do those things. Am I interpreting what you're saying correctly that diet and exercise are in fact as critical as everyone says that they are? Absolutely. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. I think it should be the first priority. So when you met this healthy dad, tell me about this concept. Is it you had a new influence in your life who helped you identify some of the principles of your health and wellness? And what was the first one, I guess, that they identified for you? So when I went and seen him, I, uh, one, I was in pain. And you have to understand when people are in pain, they're going to do anything they can to get out of pain. I see that in my clinic. Uh, somebody comes into my practice and all they want to do is just get out of pain because when you're in pain, you can't think. And so like in your profession, you know, you're, you're so attuned to what you do, but even like a stub toe or an ingrown toenail or something, you know, that's hurting you or an element on your body that's not right. Well, that's going to distract you from your full cognitive abilities to perform your daily functions. And so I, when I saw him, I was like, you know, I'm so ingrained in modern medicine. I mean, I went through a two-year surgical residency. I'm I'm a trained podiatrist that uh, does surgery and helps people. And so this is an alternative treatment. And so, but I was in so much pain that I was willing to do anything except for surgery because I knew once you get, you start fusing things, then uh, you're limited to doing what you can do if it's preventable. I mean, if, if it's, if it's not necessary. So my first impression was, you know, th- it, it, this is okay at work, but he told me when he told me, he says, you, you really have to change what you eat because you're like a bag of potatoes. You're so dense. I really can't really fully work on you like I would like to. And so that's why I didn't really go back to him for a year until I ended up in pain again. So what were you eating and what did he recommend that you change your diet to? I was eating everything that, you know, from fast food to restaurants to, uh, I never paid attention to the labels of the foods I was eating, you know, the American food, the white flowers, white sugars in medical school, I lived off of muffins and root beer floats is the quickest, fastest, easier way to get fuel in my body to go back and study, you know, grab a hamburger, fries and soda, you know, a Subway sandwich and you know, all these just quick things to eat to give you energy. Never even had the concept of organic, never had a concept of, you know, whole foods and real foods. So, you know, yeah, Mexican food and burritos and, and just all the sorts of stuff that tastes good. I mean, it was great, but uh, boy, was it slowly taking effect on me. It, what turned my, what turned me that really made me change is when my daughter 
who was about two and a half, three years old. Uh, she stopped eating for some reason, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I took her to the ER, I took her to a pediatrician, I took her to other doctors, and tests were run on, and they couldn't figure out. They just said mash up the potato instead of eating the whole potato. And I'm like, well, she can't eat. She's she's having a hard time eating. And then I recalled that I was being treated. I've been I've been treated by this healthy dad. And I called him up. I said, hey, can you help my daughter? And he said, yeah, bring her down. And so I carried her into the room and laid her on the table. And he, uh, he, he it's amazing within minutes, he knew exactly what was wrong with her. And he, he took my little daughter and did this little manipulation technique, uh, which he did on me and all of his other clients. But with my daughter, and I'm sitting there. And when he did this technique on her, I started hearing the gurgle sounds in the in the stomach and she jumped up and says, dad, I'm hungry. And I was like, oh, well. And so we gave her some food and I told, I told him, I says, you know, whatever you just did, you got to teach me. And so that changed my life. That changed my point. And so I started training with him and it's been almost 18 years and uh, nutrition was the first part, even though it's not my favorite topic, it was the first thing I had to learn. And then I went into the manipulations and all that other stuff. So before we get into the manipulations, I definitely want to hear more about this. Can you give me some specifics on nutrition? Uh, it sounded like Whole Foods was a recommendation. If you said, if you met someone on the street and you said, here's what you got to do to make your diet a good one, what are the couple or three principles of what they should eat? So here's, here's the great thing about what I learned. And it's a concept that's not out there yet. I eat for my body temperature, meaning are you yin, weak, tired, cold, or are you yang, hot, warm, full of strength? And it was a concept that I, I was very confusing to me. But the more I learned it, the more I was like, oh, whoa. And, and I eat for my immune system. So if I can protect my immune system, I know I can have health. And and and, and classic example. So first of all, I eat fully organic. Everything that I will eat is organic. So there's no preservatives. There's no toxins, GMO, Roundup, all these chemicals could be because chemicals is the number one factor for lowering your immune system. And if your body temperature is at 98.6, that's the ideal temperature. If it falls below that, then you're not able to make the good bacteria in your intestinal lining. And so if you are cold, weak, and tired, let's say you're a vegetarian or a vegan, and you continue to eat the salads, and you continue to eat the raw foods, well, your body temperature is going to still be low. And so your immune system is going to go down. And, and then if a virus comes away around, it's harder to fight off. Now, if you have a strong yang constitution, which I was, I mean, all I ate is meat and potatoes. That was a heart attack waiting to happen. So I had to change. So how do you do this? How do you eat to your temperature? Are you talking about literally measuring your body temperature to decide what to eat at that time? That's one way, but I just get up in the morning. How do I feel? Am I still cold? If I'm still cold, then I'm going to get some organic oatmeal, some blueberries, some grass-fed yogurt, and that's what I'm going to have. But uh, I always start my day with what you call a daily detox mix. It has concentrates, trace minerals, and it has green blue algae, red marine algae, sodium alginate, psyllium, uh, apple pectin. These are all a mixture that I mix up and I, I drink that in the morning. One, it, what it does is that it gives your liver a boost to clean up all the toxins that you've had the day before. You have to understand that even eating organic, you're still probably going to get some elements out there from various foods. They say they may, it's organic, but you're probably getting some roundup in your system, which raises havoc on your body. 
So this daily detox mix that I do really binds the toxins in your body and helps eliminate them out of your body. So that's what I do first thing in the morning. And then, then I'll wait about an hour and I'll start eating just a, you know, a good breakfast. And, and then lunch, I'll see how I am. You know, if I'm feeling really hot and, and warm, then I'll grab some watermelon. Uh, but I gravitate. And so summer wise and here in Arizona, I'm, you're not seeing me eat a steak or a hamburger at all in the summer. So you mentioned before that maybe someone who's vegan or vegetarian, they might be running cold. And so they should eat things to warm them up is what are the options besides meat? It sounds like uh, maybe I'm oversimplifying what you're describing, but it sounds like the polarity is, you know, eating meat and potatoes is running hot and eating veggies is running cold. But if you're a vegetarian, you don't eat meat. How do you, what are the types of things that someone like that should be looking for? If they can, you know, if they need the protein, um, you know, I don't know, you know, some people won't even, they're very strict and so they won't even have eggs. I love salmon, so wild salmon fish, but it has to be wild because anything that's just farm, uh, they have the GMO stuff in it. You know, spirulina, which is a good protein base. Seaweed is very important. I would say, you know, one important thing that that I would, I would say to those that really don't eat a lot of meats and all that stuff, make sure you're taking some three omega oils somehow, somewhere. Um, I use red krill oil. Um, it comes from the Atlantic sea. Um, and so it's at a lower, lower sea temperature. And so one of the purest strains. And so at least the three omega oils, which is very beneficial for your liver and for your brain, for the pineal gland helps with clarity, but it gives you that element that you need that most people who just eat vegetables and, and strictly vegan type are not getting in their diet. It's important. And here's a comment, you know, my healthy dad, he was a vegan for almost 30 years. And he said one of his biggest regrets was looking back on it is that he didn't get these elements. He is he, very strict, but he says now nutrition is about balanced. It's always changing. That's why I don't really believe in diets per se. I live, I believe in living a, a lifestyle that changes. And the problem with diets is they last for about six months and then they're always fading and coming in and out. And then people are on this roller coaster. So if you live a, just a, what I call whole life, a balanced way of life, it's always changing. So you know, you could be a vegetarian for three months. You could be eat, you know, some fish and, and things, you know, on and off. So it's, it's interchangeable. And in my book, I have three different, what you call diets. And so if somebody has like immune problem, I have an immune diet. I have one for diabetic and heart, which is called, you know, the diabetic diet. And then I have the whole life, somebody that's really healthy and uh, just wants to continue that. Then I have that, which that's the one I'm on right now. So gotcha. So let's say that our listeners implement your guidance on nutrition and let's say they do it successfully and they are actually eating this better and healthier lifestyle. What are the implications or the outcomes that they can expect in terms of their job performance, which is certainly kind of how we started framing this question. Does it make them more alert, more productive? Does it reduce anxiety? What are the sort of psychological or other impacts that might come from a balanced and healthy diet? All of the above, okay. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it's, yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, I, I would say, one, if you're doing the three omega oils and you're doing the concentration and daily detox mix, uh, you just feel energized. You have the ability to 
have the uh, strength and the stamina to do what you need to do throughout the day. For instance, if I eat a bowl of oatmeal and blueberries, it gives me about four hours of sustainable energy. So I don't have to really take a break. I know some people say you take shorter meals, you know, snacks here and there, but it, uh, it gives me a leeway to have that energy. Plus it gives me the clarity. I can have a conversation with a, a, a patient of mine and, and be very focused my, my muscles and my joints aren't as stiff. So I can go out and run three miles in the evening and go swim, you know, the 30 minutes that I do. So you basically have, you know, your life, you have the joy of living a, a life that you're free of diseases because diseases, diseases come on when nature's out of balance and, and it's, it's subtle. So what you can do today in 10, 15 years, 20 years down the road, which the book is actually, you know, ideally written for the 20, 30 year old that is in school or starting out there, you know, whatever they're working and have, you know, they're just looking for retirement or their wealth, but have no clue what they're doing to their body. So if they can just follow these principles, they'll be medication free and, and enjoy that wonderful life. I love it. Well, we've certainly gone gone deep down the discussion here of nutrition. I'm very fascinated by this, but I don't want to dominate. You cover more than nutrition in the book. I don't want to dominate our conversation just on that. So what other principles should we talk about? It sounded like you were starting to speak about manipulation. I don't want to drive us down that path. There's another one you want to go to, but what's the next most important principle we should be talking about in terms of our health? You know, rest, rest is very important. Exercise is really important. I think that like within your profession, those that are stuck behind a computer and, and working with the security things. And, you know, I find it within myself, I'm, I'm crunched over, I'm working somebody's feet. And so I get a lot of tension in my shoulders. And, and so if you can move, movement is life. And I, you know, one of the best exercises for somebody that bends over and, and is working in that capacity, the backstroke is one of the most ideal exercises to do. So it sounds like those are a few different areas, rest, exercise, maybe let's break them apart. Let's talk about rest for a second. I'm sure everyone listening to this probably wishes they had more rest right now. <laughs> so how do we go about doing this in terms of, I guess the first question is maybe what are the parameters we should be thinking about it? It seems like the sort of commonly described rule of thumb or whatever is get eight hours of sleep. Is that a real thing? What is like, why does eight hours matter? Should it be lower or, or more? Help us think about rest. You know, I, I, I think eight hours is, is important, but even more important is every hour before midnight is like having two hours of sleep. So if you're staying up working on a project and eating before midnight, well, one thing is that you, you really want to stop eating in about four hours before you go to bed. Well, at least midnight. So what that does is that the liver kicks in and then about, you know, two o'clock in the morning. And the liver is the, the organ that purifies and takes all the toxins out of your body. So if you're still eating 10, 11 o'clock at night, you're overloading that liver. So if you can ideally get to bed about 9, 10, you know, at the latest 11 o'clock at night, you're gaining an extra hour. So rest is really important. So the, the melatonin, the serotonin, all these other hormone things that go on in your body can repair itself. And I think the body repairs itself when it sleeps. So rest is important. You know, we stay up and watch TV, the blue lights, the, uh, the Wi-Fi's, all these things that are just bombarding us has an effect on our, our cognitive mental state. So I always turn my Wi-Fi off at night and, uh, and I, I don't, you know, usually there might be an occasion where I'll eat later, but I, I stop eating after seven, try to get to bed by about nine or 10. 
it's, it's important. Uh, it goes there, there, uh, there's a lot more to just eating to your health, you know, and these other low components. Breathing's another big one too. Yeah. Though the Wi-Fi comment is an interesting one. Just want to make sure I understood what the recommendation is there. Is the problem that because when your Wi-Fi is on now, there's a stream of information coming into your life or is there something about the actual transfer of data that is Wi-Fi? I think it's the actual, uh, the, the, and, you know, you can correct me on my, my speech terminology, but the energy that, that happens in the atmosphere, especially the 5G that's being put out there and the, uh, the I don't know, it's not the radiation, but the electrical frequencies of that uh, bombardment on your body. And so, you know, interesting concept. They talk about the Spanish flu in the 1900s. Well, radio frequency was introduced when the Spanish flu came out, you know, and just another little principle, you know, the coronavirus came out. Well, 5G was really pushed and it is starting to come out. And so is there a correlation with health and and these frequencies? I I think there is. There's enough data and scientific papers out there that I've read to show that they do have an effect on our body, some more than others. But it's just a way that I I protect myself also. I try to protect that brain and mind. (laughs) Yeah. So you're just starting to talk about breathing that um, I'm very, very interested right now in breathing techniques and the calming effect, certainly that breathing can have. So let's explore that a little bit. What is the principle that we should be thinking about when it comes to breathing? I mean, obviously our, our bodies are wired to breathe without you know us having to think about it, but it sounds like you were getting at something we can do more intentionally. So if we, here's something I learned as an asthmatic at a very young age is that we breathe with our chest and that's the improper way of breathing. And so uh, when somebody has a lot of anxiety, when somebody's under a lot of stress, what I tell patients is lay on the bed, put one hand on the chest and one hand on your stomach and, and watch your, which hand goes up. If the hand on your chest goes up, you're stressed. You're not getting the proper breathing into your system. If the hand on your stomach goes up, then you are abdominal breathing, which is the ideal breathing, which is an interesting thing because a lot of the smokers that I deal with, people that smoke and they want to quit smoking, I say, you're not really addicted to the nicotine, even though you are, you're addicted to breathing. And I go, what? I go, I want you to think about it. You go to bed, you wake up in the middle of the night to grab a cigarette and none of them had says yes, they don't. I said, why is that? Because you're sound asleep and you're breathing. I says, but then you get up in the morning, what happens? Stress comes in. You start thinking about all the things in the day. What do you do? You grab your cigarette. Why? Because you have to breathe. And when you grab that cigarette, you breathe in and then you breathe out twice as long as you breathe in. You blow that smoke out. They're like, well, yeah, you're right. I says, well, you're breathing properly. When you breathe in and then you breathe out twice as long as you breathe in, it makes your body less acidic. When your body's less acidic, you're less stressful. And so most smokers are addicted to breathing and they're not aware of that. So if they really want to quit smoking, they just grab the cigarette, don't light it, stick in your mouth, breathe out twice as long as you breathe in and get in that habit, learn how to breathe without the cigarette and they can quit smoking. I've had hundreds of patients quit smoking just for that little simple principle. But even if we don't smoke, and we are in stressful situations, listen to your breath. Sometimes you just have to step away and just breathe. It's so, so vital. Breath is, is uh, important. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. I mean, I'm not a trained medical professional in any way. So this is just like, I guess, my own experiences. But I've definitely found as I find myself in very stressful situations, maybe like, I don't know, sometimes boarding planes makes me really anxious. And I'll find that just like deep breathing, trying to, you know, take really slow, dope breath, uh, slow breaths that are very deep 
really calms everything down. And it took me a long time in my life to figure that out. It sounds like that's kind of echoing what you're saying, that the, the way we control our breath helps us control the stress and anxiety that we're feeling in the moments that we're in, right? Absolutely. Yes. So why is that? Is it the extra oxygen to the brain or it sounds like you were saying something about acidity? You know, here's, here's the thing in that I think when we abdominal breathe and we breathe out longer than we breathe in, so we breathe in and we breathe out, that movement, that diaphragm that is right between your lungs and your, all your internal organs, it is the pump, it's the massage to the organs. And so when your organs are functioning right, the kidneys, the liver, the spleen, the intestines, then you're healthier. And I think the, there is more oxygen to the area, especially your, your intestinal tract that has all the, the factors that, that create your immune system through the, the, pro, you know, the bacteria, the good bacteria being made into your intestinal lining. It's just a factor that is needed. If your intestines and your lungs and all that stuff are not moving, if they're not massaged, they, they, you know, movement is life. So that constant good breathing massages your internal organs. Hmm. Never thought about it as a massage of the internal organs. That's you've completely changed my thinking on that. I love that. You've said it now a couple of times in our, our interview, but that movement is life. Can you explain what you mean by that? Once you stop moving, you stop living. And I seen that with my sick dad, uh, my father, he was an incredible man. He was a farmer. He was robust. He was just, I worked with him. He said very few words, but he retired to his recliner and he never got out of it. And so I kept telling him, I saying, dad, you really need to get moving. You, even if you take your walker, you need to start moving. You just, you know, go outside, get some vitamin D you need to move. And little bit by little bit, he just stopped moving. And so, you know, he passed away when I was finishing the book, but within my own self, dense bag of potatoes that still is called, I was like, okay, I need to start eating better because when you have movement, you can move everything. Then things start happening. And what I find in my profession, I've seen more bunions and hammer toes in my profession this past year than I have my entire 20 year career. Why is that? Because uh, bunions, our shoulder stiffness and people are like what? And they never taught me that in medical school, but every patient I have that has a bunion or a hammer toe, I can always direct it to what shoulders off, whether they had surgery or stiffness. And a bunion's on your foot. You're saying an injury on your foot is related to this tightness in your shoulder. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> wow. And the patients are like, what? How did you know? I, I never told you I had right shoulder pain. I go, well, your foot tells me. And so there's, I'm trying to think there's, there's been some cases too, where I had a little girl in my clinic that she came walking into my clinic and one was 90 degrees, 90 degrees out. And one was straight forward. And she was like two years old. And her mom was like, what can we do? And, and in the medical profession, you break the femur, you shift the femur over, and then you stick a rod and you pin it. And that's what we're taught to do. Well, what I was taught to do by my healthy dad is, okay, lay the child on the, on the stomach and there's a manipulation. You can put that femur head back into the socket called hip manipulation. And so I, I, asked, I, I told the mother, I says, look, you know, this is what I'd like to do. Here's your option. She says, just do it. And so with the technique and I, I did on this little girl, the hip popped back into place. And then I had her walk down the hallway and her feet was walking straight. And I followed up with her a couple of weeks later still walking straight. A year later, she came in and gave me a big hug, three years old now, and she's still walking straight. And here's something about the hip. If the hips are off and they're not tracking right, you get constipation. And if you get constipation, that backs up the immune system. And, and then your health goes down. And there's a lot of people out there that say they, they, they say they have lower back pain, but a lot of it's with the hip not tracking right. 
And so if I can get the hip back in place and get it free flowing, free movement, movement is life, then not only do they have regular bowel movements, but they have movement. They have that pain that's gone. I, I, I worked on my brother who was told he had to have surgery just last year. And I says, no, come, you know, come down. Let me work on you for about three days. And this is what I do on the side for my podiatry practice through myopractic, which I'm certified in. And there's some aggressive stretching and some special tables I use to lower, to decompress his lower back, which happened to me. And, you know, take these bulge discs that are compressed and I can get them open. And then I put his hip back in place. And the guy's like, he's 20 in his twenties now. He's just up and down the mountains. He's golfing and, and uh, he has life. And that's just one, two, two, two experiences of thousands of patients that I've been working with my healthy dad and myself that we've been able to help from shoulders to neck to hips. And, and it's a little different from chiropractic world. They're fantastic in, in ways, but there's, there's just unique situations that I've trained in. And that's, that's the, an episode for uh, the second book, which I'll be talking about. I mean, that's where I get excited about because it's just whole nother world to medicine. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm so excited. I mean, as we run out of time here and wrap up, I'm just so excited that you shared all these principles with us. I know that the kind of people who are sort of in the orbit of this show are constantly looking for new ideas and techniques that help them level up their career, level up their profession, sort of buck the conventional wisdom. And I think the way you've helped us think about health and wellness is going to help a lot of people. So as we wrap up, is there any parting wisdom that you wanted to share? Anything that um, we didn't talk about that you want to make sure gets expressed before we finish? You know, I would just say that if, if I can be the example of the, what not to do, then those that are out there listening and don't take your health for granted, look at the labels, look at the ingredients, listen to your body temperature and the movement and exercise. Don't strain, but get, go out for a walk and get the vitamin D in you. There's three omega oils and just, you know, pick up the book. There's a lot of information in there. There's, there's so much information. That's 15 years of straight studying with this, this man that has been become a mentor just in nutrition. So a lot of important information in there that I wish I could share all of it in there, but neat principles, but uh, I'm here to help. And that's, that's my mission to uh, get people out of pain. So I love it. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us here together today. Dr. Glenn Robeson, podiatrist, surgeon, and number one bestselling author of Healthy Dad, Sick Dad. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. And for everyone else listening, if you want to learn more about other episodes or requests to appear yourself, just go to tedharrington.com backslash podcast. And we'll catch you next time. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.